with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the we're I thought you were going to be on Anglesey or something. No, that was last week. We're home. But we're having, was... um, yeah, we're having, Britain's having a heat wave. It's something we're not very used to. Um, unlike America, we don't have. Oh, put the air conditioner on, it'd be fine. Well, that's the problem. You see, because we only have like one day every 10 years where it does this, um, the temperature's currently in the mid 90s. And we don't have air con, so I've abandoned the office and come sat out in the garden. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, before we get started, I want to, of course, uh, note the passing of uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, who has been in the paranormal forever. She's probably one of the leading female paranormal investigators of the thing. She's a terrific writer. She's written tons of books. In fact, there's one of my just sitting here now, Ghosts and Spirits. And uh, she's been on Ghost Chronicles uh, several times. Uh, uh, sad, she's been on TV a lot. She's a go-to when when they need uh, uh, an expert on uh, the paranormal. They always turn to her. So she'll be missed. Yes, indeed. I can only echo those sentiments. Mm-hmm. Um, I I never met her. Um, I. We did cross paths occasionally, um, inevitably, and she was kind enough to include parascience in one of her uh, books. So, uh, yeah, deeply missed and far too young. Yeah, it's it's yeah, you know, it shows you our mortality. It just you know, it, it brings it back to earth again. We're here for whenever. That's the problem. We don't know when that whenever is. Yes, we are. It's the. It's, Funnily enough, it's the only certainty in life, isn't it? And it's taxes. kind of huh? Taxes, oh, taxes. yeah. Death, death. <laughs> that's a <laughs> say. That's a saying in the U.S. Taxes and yeah. death, the only two certainties in life. Yeah, it's the same over here as well. But yeah, it okay. is the only great certainty in life, regardless of nation, culture, belief, wherever you're born, you live, you die. Um, your life might be very short, it might be very long, but ultimately death comes to us all. Right. It, it's, that's, that's it, it's always... Go ahead. I was to say, it's always... Um, I, I learned a great deal about death when I was a nurse, uh, in nursing, because I realized uh, quite early on that grief is a... It's a very selfish act, that we never grieve for the person that's gone, because... We can't bring them back. We grieve for ourselves. You always hear the widow or the family or always say, what am I going to do now? Um, Mm -hmm. I can't live without them. It's very, very personally uh, centered, almost to the point of selfishness. I know it isn't selfish, but it – well, actually, you know what? I guess it kind of is because we mourn the loss of that person out of our our life, don't we? Um, Yes. And we celebrate their achievements. But Mm – Ultimately, it's what are we going to do now? They've gone. Right, right. But, you know, I've always said that, uh, you know, as soon as you're born, every minute you live is one minute closer to your death. That's so true. That's so true. Uh, We we don't know when, of 
course, well, a lot of people don't know when. Um, some people, well, for the I suppose. Of well, no, I was going to say. I, I, they always know their death when they, you know. They... <laughs> yeah, in a weird way. I always remember my grandfather's death because he had a terminal illness and he had a finite length of time. And that gave him the opportunity to do things that narrowly we don't get to do because we don't know when it's going to happen. Um, mm. um, so, you know, there was a, he, he got the opportunity, as did the world is in similar situations, and I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but the silver lining in the cloud is that you get the opportunity to plan and put your affairs in order and do things that you wanted to, you always mm-hmm. wanted to do. Uh, right. Whereas you could, you know, uh, us mere mortals, we could be crossing the road and bam, um, no opportunity to do anything. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. We always tend to leave a terrible mess. I don't mean a physical mess behind. Mind. Uh, I suppose you do if you get hit by a big enough box. I, I do. <laughs> but, you know, you think... Being a hoarder, I am. <laughs> exactly. That's the point I'm making. I, I've got, you know, we both collect things. We both, mm. both have uh, stuff scattered. We know where it is. It means, you know, right. I'll put that there and that's there and that's there. Yeah. Nobody else nope. is privy to that system. <laughs> Nope. And when we go, we leave them the chaos of our life. Yeah. But it's so funny, of course, you know. It's a great sadness. Yeah. Oh, I'm so much older now, it's, it's that I'm beginning to think of that. And so I've been trying to get rid of some things and clean things up for uh, my son so he doesn't have to deal with it. Uh, or my wife, whoever's left after me. <laughs> oh, I'm just making more mess. <laughs> yeah. No, I've, I've gotten organized. I'm going to tell yeah, him years to sort sort my out. My, but um, no, I mean, I have started to catalogue stuff, um, particularly as well with valuable items that don't look valuable. Ah, that's um, the because problem. obviously the that is the problem because therein lies their inheritance to some extent. I mean, if they choose to sell it, if they choose to give it away, if they choose to give it to the right. uh, the thrift store, but nonetheless, some of it is and has an intrinsic cash value. And it, you you hope that they will benefit from it, um, and that they will recognise it for what it is. Because you know, all too often, and I've seen this in in thrift stores, in charity shops, you find extraordinarily valuable items that nobody's recognised. We all hope to find one, mm-hmm. um, but we all hope that we don't give one away. Right. Yeah, it's life is. Yeah. And when something like this happens, it, it, it brings it to surface again. And uh... I, The thing that always used to irritate me most was the old, well, he's had a good innings. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you know, in the four score years and ten. Um, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't fear death. I don't want death. I want to be immortal. Um <laughs> But I recognise it for what it is, an inevitability that there is nothing I can do do about. I can't prevent it. I can't control it in any way. It will happen. It will happen at a time and place of its choosing. Um, And we have to... And also, death has become um, quite a sanitised affair in the 21st, 20th century here in the UK, especially because... And I think we, we touched on this last week. Because uh, when somebody died, they they tended to die at home. They were laid out in the parlour. The family mm-hmm. came around. The family were part of that process of right. death and dying. 
and laying out of the body and that that for me would would be helpful um but now they go away to die they go away to this big building called a hospital or a hospice and Near they just home. don't come back and then from there a, a black vehicle you know a black uh, pickup take um, not pickup um box van or yep. ambulance takes them and it's all taken away from us so we don't really have this natural mourning process that our ancestors used to have mm-hmm so yeah, yeah. Which is anyways, kind of sad. yes, it is. Yes, it is. I do, mean, do, do Americans still do that um, laying of pennies on the eyes? No, or clutching a penny in the hand? No, no, no. Because no. one, what I, I was reading a book quite recently about uh, some of the customs of um, uh, Wales, in particular West Wales, where mm-hmm. I am, and there's a whole chapter devoted to the, the rituals and customs surrounding death and. Um, dying and what to do with the deceased afterwards. And there were some really bizarre ones. The Welsh, I, it's absolutely unique to West Wales. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have we have sin eaters out here. I think we still have sin eaters out here. Really? Yeah, cool. Um, but there is one very bizarre custom where they, they haul the body, uh, the shroud wrap body, up the chimney. Yeah, uh, I remember you. we talked about yeah. this uh, one show here, which is intriguing. Yeah. yeah. There's a sort yeah, of that's... symbolic passage between the two worlds. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, nowadays, we, we just want to get it over and done with, uh, you know, wakes were three-day affairs. Now they're one day, you you know, that's it. Bang, you're gone. See ya. Well, it's, maybe, that, maybe that's uh, it's how we live now, isn't it? You know, it's... Well, it's yeah, and what's the sad thing about it? You know, it's it's the way we are. We really, it's such a me society now where everybody's involved in their own lives and really other people are, their involvement is not the same as it was. It's just, you know, it's, it's me first. And then, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, you know, it's the same thing, you know, between children and parents and and uh so forth. And it's, it's, it's just sad really. I think as well, I, it's been it's been postulated by some people that that's led to the rise of spiritualism because um, in, with the First World War in particular, when there was a huge peak in spiritualism, so many right. people... Right, the, the pandemic, too, was an yeah. effect of that besides people the just, war. Yeah. People went away and they never came back and there was never a, uh, an end process to mm-hmm. their relationships. And so people went to psychics and mediums to try and complete that process. Um, now, to gain some assurance or reassurance or communication. Um, mm-hmm. And we still do that today. Uh, that's why, you know, when, when people visit psychics, I, mean, I was talking to Barry John about it um, earlier this year, um, about the most popular questions that, that he gets asked when people go for a reading. And Where they, they hide are, the money? <laughs> Where they hide the money? Is, no, that's not the, it. No, the, the, no. The, 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 um, there's no particular order to these, but it's always yeah. like, um, will I be successful in work? Will I be successful in love? And will Auntie, will you know, Grandma get back in touch with me and let me know she's fine? <laughs> you know that those are the three big things that people go to psychics for, um, hmm. and they're all very selfish, really, aren't they? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a sad world. It is what it is. It is, but we Unfortunately. We, we, do, we do mourn and miss Rosemary and recognize her vast contribution um, to the 
the subject. Yeah, I mean, she's written, I mean, yeah. so many books on so many different things. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I've got four or five of them on my bookshelf, and they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're good, comprehensive books, you know, well worth having on your bookshelf, well worth reading, revisiting, because, um, you know, she she wrote several encyclopedias uh, down the right. years, and, you yeah. know, they, they are almost standard reference works now. Now, if... Uh... If I was uh, some people, let me see. How can I phrase this? It's it's an odd occurrence that uh, I got a book called Ghosts and Spirits from Marie's <laughs> Guiley sitting on my desk, on my desk. You know, all my books are on my bookshelf, but I have this book. It's been there just for a short period of time. Now, curious, was that a sign or a premonition of things to come? You mean you're, no. you're to blame? Yeah, it's my fault. Probably that <laughs> damn picture, I'm telling you. <laughs> it's that cursed photograph. Anybody that, good thing I don't have your book on the desk there. <laughs> yeah, you're to blame. Hey, maybe. Yeah, wait a minute. Maybe I've got a new uh, new business here. Uh, you, you know. Uh, uh, hey, I'll tell you what, know, pay me some money, or I'll experiment. put your book on my desk. And <laughs> well, let's try an experiment. Get a copy of Telephone Calls from the Dead. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, yeah. he'd, come back, he'd come back to haunt me, and that's one thing I don't think I could deal with. Maybe cool experiment. Huh? The spirit of Kel. Do you, do you know, you make joke of that, but there must be uh, half a half a dozen people that um, have, um, we've all sort of over the years agreed to come back to visit one another if we make it successfully to the other yep. side and back again. Maureen and I have um, a pack, yep. <clears throat> yeah, it's... Uh, it's cold and everything. Uh, we uh, Most of us don't have a code. I, I have oh, a code have with one person. Uh, we have a code. But... A lot of my friends, we've got this sort of ongoing. Well, you know, if you make it, do do let me know. And it's it's meant sincerely. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we say, yeah, of course we will, we will. You know, that's the, the intention. If if we can, we will. I mean, Houdini uh, famously uh, said he would. In May or may not, may or may not have. Well, there's nothing substantial to say he, he made it back, and it certainly never convinced his wife exactly. um, that he made it back. And he spent his, his entire latter half of his career seeking um, a message, a simple message from his mother. Right. Um, that was what led him to redevelop his stage act to incorporate the exposure of mediums because he was so, because he so desperately wanted that message from his mm. mother, that reassurance, uh, and it, he failed. And the mediums that, that allegedly um, came for, well came forward with an alleged message for, uh, from his mother um, always left him feeling cheated. Yep. Especially since he recognised a lot of the tricks that they were able to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. use or employ. And of course, being being the great showman, he then he he, he realised then that there was a a potential. And, and all fairness too, the, the mediums knew what they were getting into. Oh yeah, I mean there were there was there was a series that Randy ran on television oh a good few years ago now, um, where he would invite psychics and mediums onto uh, the stage with him, and uh, during the course of the program he would utterly debunk them. Um, he would set them a series of tests, 
and he would utterly debunk them. And yet the following week, there was another one would present themselves and another one and another one, the whole series. Uh, and it, it's available on YouTube. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, but it's fascinating to watch these people come back, um, you know, knowing what they're going into and knowing what Randy Randy's intention was. Um, and like with Houdini, the, the psychics and the mediums and the fortune tellers who he invited to work with him on stage knew exactly what they were getting themselves into. But, and I've seen it happen, when these mediums are exposed on television or on stage, particularly on television these days, um, they very cleverly then market themselves as as seen on TV. Of course they would. <laughs> Anybody who's on TV, even if you're arrested for a crime, you're uh, you know being marketed as seen on TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's they use this as a as a marketing exercise now yeah. because um, they recognise that there is no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. That's I've always said that, which is. I mean, my true. my yeah. my favourite American preacher man, uh, Popoff. Our good friend who keeps writing to He's me. been quiet. Uh, I haven't heard anything from him. Has he not sent you anything? No, I mean, from you. You usually oh, tell me well, the latest I, and the greatest. Well, he hasn't really sent anything interesting for a while. I had a oh. sachet of water about three weeks ago. Oh, that's um, nice. And a little piece of tissue that I had to dab into the, the holy, the blessed water. Right. Um, and then it's the tears of the angels, is it? No, it's holy water. Um, and then said yeah, it back tears of the angels. See, yeah, said it back with my check. He has expanded. He now takes PayPal. Uh, oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> uh, but he, I mean, he was he was he's been convicted in how many courts? <laughs> Exposed on how many television shows? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't matter, does it? I mean, it's. There is, there's also, I was having a conversation the other day about the, um, why people feel that they ought to, um, particularly investigators, um, skeptical investigators, they have to champion the cause skeptical. against psychics. You know, they have to say that these people are playing. You should all be skeptical of these guys yeah, yeah. that call themselves skeptical investigators are not skeptical investigators. Well, they're, they're cynical, but. It's by cynical, by. that's the word. Cynical investigators. That's by the by, but yeah, you're absolutely mm. right. Um, I forgot, <laughs> you threw me off. Yes, the many of these uh, <laughs> cynical, I mean, uh, skeptical investigators. Yeah, they, uh, they, talk, they, 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 they rant on about how these mediums are preying on the bereaved and preying on the vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they are charging a lot of money. But the people that are going are often deriving a great deal of comfort from from visiting them mm-hmm. um and they are at the end of the day grown adults and if they want to spend their money with a psychic or on a horse or on tobacco or on loose women that's their choice they're grown adults and i you and these cynical champions of you know standing up against fraud yeah. do we really have any right um to say to be judge, jury, and executioner, and to we tell don't. people how to spend the money. Of course, we don't. And I remember when we had the BBC radio. We had the police for for to take care of blatant yeah. fraud and and, and exactly. criminal I mean, we have, thing. We have we, you know, there is legislation available. Yes. Uh, I remember when when Anne and I had the radio station, the radio show for the BBC. We received a, a, quite a lot of calls from people 
who said that they had seen a, an apparition of you know, a recently deceased loved one or they'd visited mm-hmm. a psychic. And you didn't want to or have any desire to explain anything to them because you didn't want to um, spoil the obvious amount of comfort that they were gaining. We should have a show on the BBC. Uh, we could one day. We should. We could one day. I think it'd be the good BBC idea. isn't what it used to be. No, I just think it'd be a good idea. <laughs> I don't know why, but I think it'd be a good idea. And then we'll network CBC, NBC, CBS, MSN, yeah, They're all trash networks. <laughs> all fake news. Your president says so. Fake news. It's absolutely. Speaking about uh, presidents, you have a new prime minister now? Well, we will tomorrow. Um, he takes office tomorrow, Boris. Um, remarkably Russian. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, public school educated. E- e- an Eton boy. But remarkably similar haircut. A plant in a Russian plant, right? He's a sleeper. Mm, he's not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he absolutely isn't. He's, he's kind of like the British equivalent of Trump. Um, oh, okay. A bit wild, a bit chaotic, very, very unpredictable. Uh, oh, often good, puts, I love it. Opens his mouth and puts both feet in it. I love it. Um, and I mean, I don't support any of his policies uh, at a social level. However, uh, my wife was absolutely delighted because at a comedy level, she's wanted him as prime minister for the longest time. Right. Um, you know, I think it'd be funny. You've heard about this big event. Oh, we're actually coming up on time. I don't know if we have the chance to discuss it. You, you've heard about this big uh, Area 51 run. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. There's a similar is, one now here. Have you seen the new we, one here on social media in the UK? Yeah, which Lock is Ness. totally ridiculous, but that's besides the point. Yeah, they're going to uh, storm Loch Ness. Very deep yeah. and very cold, very wet. Good. Let them, let them go. Let them. <laughs> Anyways, you know, of course, Area Fifty One does have minefields, and it's like one hundred ten degrees in the in the desert, and all these people who evidently have no jobs. Anyways, uh, it's no great loss. That's the way I look at it. But uh, I think, no, I mean, I think it's kind of cool. I don't. I do. I think. It's I think it's ridiculous. Funny. Well, it is ridiculous. That's why it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, so I mean, let's, let's look. Let's look at. I already proved that we do not like have a, alien technology. Unfold. I absolutely can prove that we don't have any alien technology, and there are the there are no alien spaceships in fifty one. And well, we'll have and, to cover that after the break. Okay, I guess we'll have to, but I can absolutely prove it without a shadow of a doubt. Okay, then we'll get that proof after the break. Okay, so you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Steve Parson out in his garden and Ron in his office at VZ. And we'll be right back after the following messages here on Tojinet and Parax Radio. Welcome to Tojinet. Radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. The creepy and the kooky, mysterious and spooky. 
The ultra gobbledygooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Ghost Chronicles, the international and very hot and humid edition. I rather think we should have the X-Files theme tonight because uh, my co-host over in New England in his office at VZ is about to prove that there is no aliens or no alien technology in Area 51. You have to follow along. All right. So it's very simple because if there was alien technology in Area 51, or if we possessed it anywhere in our military, then our great president would certainly have tweeted about it by now. Because <laughs> he can't keep his mouth shut. We all know that. So, without, I rest my case. Yeah, do you know, uh, there was a documentary. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Well, it, well, it kind of does, but there was a documentary on quite recently that said that uh, the U.S. president isn't the highest tier of security. Yeah, I know. I heard that. Um, too. that there are, if you watch any of the Hollywood productions, they always show it to it. Too. Yeah, but I mean, genuinely, uh, this was a, a guy in the NSA who was saying that the mm-hmm. U.S. president is about thirteenth um, on the list from the top. You mm-hmm. know, there's there's quite a few tiers above the U.S. president. Although, would you tell Don? In, in reality, <laughs> there there is no tiers above him. However, it depends on. I think it's more of the. Uh, how do I say this? Like, okay, we have certain departments and things yeah, on the right. Compartment, compartment, right? So it's it's compartmentalized, and these these are are pretty much independent of the the president. Was they they run their thing? But if anything uh, was uh, of national interest that was really extremely important, then he would certainly could find out for sure. Or else he would fire him. It's simple. <laughs> or, he could, or he could climb aboard his F-16 fighter jet and lead a swarm of um, World War II fighter bombers. Oh, he's got his new helicopter now. It torches the the light the light White House lawn. It's really cool. Oh, has he got the new one now? Oh yeah. Uh, he's getting the new Air Force One paint scheme, isn't he? A new Air Force One with a new paint scheme. Yeah. So yeah, we're we. Yeah. I like so, the old paint scheme. Mm, that is what it's it is. Of, it's kind of historic, isn't it? Yeah, the army's yeah. going back to the World War Two uniforms. Yeah, but I mean, Air Force One is yeah, but that's an icon. We love nostalgia, so yeah, but it's an icon, isn't it? I mean, it goes all the way back to JFK. Mm-hmm. You know that because he was the first to use the seven hundred seven um, with that iconic paint scheme. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can have a new airplane. You've got to have a new airplane, but is there any need to change what is an iconic? It's like changing the American flag. Rebranding. Rebranding. The new, modern, whatever. Anyways, yeah, well, uh, 
we have an investigation coming up tonight. We're going to do a theater in Boston with a long history of paranormal. Oh, I thought you'd done that last night. Reading to the tweets, it said you were tw- you were preparing to. We go were to gearing bar- up. Bar- it's a lot of work for it. In fact, I'm here at VZ now, and uh, I've got collecting the that little... bag of, You're not collecting that bag of ghost meter pros again, are you? <laughs> I've got <laughs> I've got all the uh, the cases open and and. Ooh. Some it's, of those cases haven't been opened in how long? Well, that's the problem is, you know, I opened up the uh, the camera cases and the camera cases is, is the, uh, it's got all the old DVR system in there, which is no longer in operation. We have the brand new Lorax ones that were, so I've got to switch over and, and it's a lot of work. I'm just going through all this stuff and try to decide what we need. Now, I mean, the theater's an interesting case and, and let me draw upon your opinion because i'm sure okay. you have investigated the i before. have done theaters yeah so i mean if you I were to enjoy invest- go ahead i always enjoy theaters there's a kind so, of ambiance about them so if you were to investigate a theater mm-hmm. i'd say this was your operation how mm-hmm. would you do it steve uh the first thing is i would uh, speak to the those involved and find out the nature of what their experiences are so are we dealing with sounds visual uh, smells whatever we're dealing with and then see how we could best position ourselves to try and capture or document or understand um what they're saying so if they see you utilize your equipment to the the peak yeah because you want to put have the right equipment in the right place at the right time um so if there's an apparition in row four seat 39b then that's you'd want to put your camera at it, at it. But if it's the sound of footsteps walking down an empty corridor, then you'd want video cameras and audio recorders. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's the room goes icy cold during a, a certain part of a production, then you'd want thermometers there. So that would my first call would be to find out uh, what I'm dealing with, what the what people are experiencing. Yeah, that's the problem with. My problem versus your problem is, that of course, that I deal with mediums, so I don't want too much knowledge available to anyone, basically. Um, well, you, well, we have this exactly. I understand the same totally what you're saying, and I agree 100. Problem, mm-hmm. because we don't want everybody to know everything either. Because yeah. we, what we want is people to report their untainted experiences. So exactly. whilst they're there. We don't want to give them that information. Um, but equally, you want to have the equipment in the right place. So you can – what we use to get around that is we use dummy equipment. You know, we have the uh, equipment looking in the right direction, but we dummy it with a piece of equipment yeah, looking in good, the wrong direction. A good, it's a good, so we're not giving away too much, you know. I mean, obviously, if uh, we're only – interested in one floor or one area or one particular part of the right. building then we're giving some information away mm-hmm. um, but what we do is we restrict the amount of knowledge to um, the, the person who is the coordinator for that particular uh, location and that right. person is put in control so they are removed from everybody else mm-hmm. and their job is to coordinate the movements and the 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 whole event um, using their knowledge, but without. So because because if if they know that there's an apparition in row four for thirty nine B, and then they come in and they you know they have they see it, mm-hmm. well it kind of diminishes your trust in what they're saying, right? Because they already know, 
Um, so we always try and remove them. You to put control. that thought in their head as well. So well, even and they, a distortion, and, like, oh, look at I saw yeah. a distortion. Yeah. And, and they, 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 of course, are usually the person that may have spoken to the witness. So that's the person we will put in control. Um, and they, they will be in another part of the building, um, away from everybody else. Right. They're not. They're not sort of you know put in isolation, but they're given a they're given a task that absents them from ordinary investigation. Right. Yeah. It's it's so. I mean, as far as you would, what was I going to say? Would you do a like a walkthrough through? Um. I, I, Possibly. Um, to, you know, get a feel of the land, to say? Well, getting a feel for the for the building is, is a key part of the investigation process. Um, now, depending on the location, um, if it was a very big location, we would certainly encourage people, uh, they'd have plans, and we'd encourage them to walk around the location to get to, to familiarize themselves so right. that, you know, they know where they are. And mm-hmm. they know which room is which and which staircase is which. So we we do allow, uh, you know, we do encourage them to go off and explore, if you if you will. Um, <clears throat> but familiarizing pe- pe- familiar people familiarizing themselves with the building is is an essential part of what we do because what right. we want people to do. Um, we know that all of the sounds, the squeaks, and the noises from our own homes because we are completely familiar with them. If we go to a location that we may never have been to before, then every sound, every noise, every smell, every draft of wind um, is a new sensation. Uh, yeah, that's long- why I, I have a couple <laughs> of people from that the theater with us tonight so they know the sounds they've been working there for many many years so they are aware of sounds so i definitely uh that's one of the reasons i mean you see a lot of groups they take they don't want anybody in there but their own group which is kind of crazy but anyways uh, yeah that's one of the things that helps is if if, if there is a sound that's yeah. they can recognize it right away and say oh that's just the compressor on the third floor going on exactly. in the refrigerator exactly. or whatever yeah and the the other the other way we we deal with that problem is um, we we keep the investigators in the same place. We don't move them around throughout the night unless it's really? completely unless the the location is physically demanding. You know, if mm-hmm. it's outdoors or or extremely cold or extremely humid or for whatever reason we we can't allow people to remain there for a long period ordinarily nine out of ten locations we would do we will send people to a place and we will leave that they will then remain there for the duration of accepting breaks for the Mm -hmm. duration of the investigation and that enhances the amount of familiarity that they have with that particular space and it's proved to be an advantage on a number of occasions because uh, when we were down doing a museum building in Portsmouth, uh, Portsmouth, England, mm-hmm. we one of the phenomena that others before us had reported were these bell-like sounds um, that were different investigators recording the sounds of bells. Right. Um, now we we operate this different this different way where people are staying there all the time, and it became apparent from the pair that were there that these bell-like sounds were exactly every 90 minutes. 
<laughs> now, if we'd have put people in there for 45 or 50 minutes and then sent them somewhere else and then sent a new pair in, we would have got reports of bell-like sounds without that necessarily... Every 90 minutes. <laughs> uh, and, the, and it turned out it was an, a part of the building's uh, electrical system, alarm mm. system, that chimed every 90 minutes. Right. And But by having people in the same place for long periods of time, you get this familiarization. You you get to see these patterns start to a certain to point. If they, they, they'd have to be there for a, a long time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, we were lucky on that occasion. I mean, some events might not repeat on a cycle of more than you know months or or, or weeks. Or it could be daily, which is even another problem. It could be once per day. Um, yes, you know. But the longer you are somewhere, the more familiar you become of the natural uh, environment that you're in. Exactly. And that's why we're completely familiar with our – that's why we can, we can comfortably sit in our own homes with the lights out um, mm-hmm. or on our own uh, when, you know, when people have gone out or family are away on holiday and you're, you're left at home alone. You don't get spooked by your own house. Right. Now, it reminds me of a story that uh, Jeremy and I tell in our ghost tours, is that uh, when the ghost hunters did Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse and they were walking through the fort and they heard like a screaming sound, and they said, oh, we're going to have to ask Jeremy about it. But they never did. But anybody who saw the show immediately lit up the, uh, the boards, uh, you know, the chat rooms and everything, mm-hmm. saying, yeah, that's the signal from the, the bridge. Uh, in Kittery, and that's mm-hmm. what they were hearing. So, it, once again, it, it's if you have someone who's familiar with it, uh, then it, they're definitely an asset to an investigation. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I love doing theatres. Theatres are one of my favourite locations because I think that, that, that they're, they're kind of like special places. They have an ambiance. Now, mm-hmm. that's, I'm not talking about psychic or... Yeah, or yeah. But they do have, I mean, they're a place of entertainment, of laughter, of, of pathos, of tragedy, of, you know, groups of people sharing experience. But when, when the lights are out and everybody's left, the building takes on an ambiance of its own, this very, this huge, challenging, vast space, the, the auditorium. And then it's surrounded by a maze of passageways and small rooms and little cupboards and and snickets and i think there's something quite special about theaters i really like i really do enjoy them mm-hmm. and the, there are certain problems inherent problems with the others too because of the acoustical part of it as oh, well absolutely absolutely and again i kind of like the challenge of trying to solve mm-hmm. those difficulties um you know it's Maybe I, maybe it's just too many domestic houses. <laughs> and yeah. it's, quite nice to, it's quite nice once in a while to do something vast and cavernous that, that doesn't play by the normal rules and makes mm-hmm. you sit up and think a little bit more. Right. Um, and, and plus, look at the amount of theatrical ghost stories. Um, Theatres have to oh, be yes. Oh, yes. right up there, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. in, the, in the sort of top three or four of haunted amazing stories you know there are not many theaters anywhere in the world that don't have a ghost a resident ghost Mm -hmm. and so there is you know if such things exist then that's where you're most likely to encounter them and there are some you know 
like the Theatre Royal in uh, Drury Lane, London, the, the phantoms there have been, they're not um, a sporadic thing. They've been documented for decades by mm-hmm. disparate people who don't know anything about other people's experiences, and yet they remarkably have the same consistent experience as everybody else. Um, and they, they re- it really makes for very compelling reading um, when you when you read these reports from people who who are disconnected by decades and you know from opposite ends of the world in some cases, and yet they go along to this building and they have exactly the same experience. They see exactly the same fountain. Uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, to that's me. To me, that's the fascinating thing. You're absolutely right on that. Uh, when you, to me, that to, that's more proof of, uh, I guess you, you call it the paranormal. Probably another word of the phenomena, anyways. That if it's constant and and uh-huh. being seen by different witnesses, different backgrounds, you know, and even different knowledge of the building, then uh, that's the, the really intriguing stuff. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily that you you have to catch it on a meter or you have to catch it on a on a, on a film or, or whatever. If if witnesses are, are seeing a, a particular phenomena uh, constantly through the years, different people, different backgrounds, and, and different awareness of this, then I, I think that's to me that's more evidence than some grainy picture well, on a I'll, I'll camera. Alan Murdy, who's the uh, chairman of the Ghost Club and has mm-hmm. been a guest on the show and is okay. also the, pre- the uh, chairman of the um, Spontaneous Cases Committee for the SPR, uh, is a barrister. And he, he says um, and has always maintained that these um, the consistency of human testimony always trumps all of the forms of evidence. In fact, our judicial system is based upon it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, legal proof is based upon a number of witnesses coming forward to say, I saw the the accused do this, that, um, and we build our legal system on that. Agreed. Absolutely agree. For me, it's very, very compelling when you get large numbers of people coming um, with their accounts that are so remarkably similar. And that's part of the fascination of ghosts, because if you if you extrapolate that to cultures and societies, people's reports of ghosts, apparitions, um, are remarkably similar, whether they're Chinese, Japanese, Hindu, Muslim, Venezuelan, North American, or wherever they're from. They mm-hmm. see exactly the same sorts of ghosts and apparitions. Yeah, so, I agree. You know, I agree. For me, I think you know there is an establishment of proof there, proof of some of a phenomena that needs to be taken very seriously and not poo-pooed away, like some of the cynics are quite apt to do. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean that's. That's the problem, is that they are cynics. And, and well, the, the problem, I mean, their only, um, their fallback position is it's either uh, an error or fraud. Right. Now, of course, of course there are error, 
errors. People get mistaken Absolutely. and get mistaken. And of course, there are frauds too. And of course, there are frauds. But that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody is making a mistake when they describe a, a situation or an experience. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that they're making it up. So you're left with, still left with a vast amount of evidence. And you, you take, Bo, uh, take Enfield, the Enfield case, for example. Um, mm-hmm. One of the girls did throw an object. Now, for the likes of Nickel and other, some of the other investigators, for them, that was, well, they did everything else. And when you look at the list of what everything else encompasses, clearly the girls couldn't have done it. And the fact that when the girl threw the object... Uh, Wasn't there, like, a, a stove that moved or something? There was a... It was actually the cast-iron surround of a, a, of a fireplace yeah, um, yeah. that was ripped out of a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, it weighed about 60 pounds. Um, but given the speed and rapidity at which this girl was caught throwing the object in the kitchen, and the fact that they were never caught doing anything else... It makes it makes the claim by the by the skeptics somewhat thin mm-hmm. and lacking, but yet that's what they present as a challenging evidence of debunking the case, mm-hmm. and it's just a, it's just a very weak, very thin argument. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you on, on that as well. And, and it goes the other way, too, just because, you know, you, you get an, an orb, for instance. Uh, it doesn't mean it's paranormal activity. No. <laughs> if, it, for for the know, person what, who believes in everything, it's like, ah. Uh. Well, uh, there, was some, there was some video doing the rounds on uh, social media this week, and the SPR retweeted some of it from a group called Argos Paranormal. Mm. And, the inve- and the investigators on camera. And here we have probably an example of one of the laziest investigators I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> because, because the investigator says, and it happens so much on television too, um, they, what was that noise? What was that noise? Right. I, d- I don't know. I can't explain it. But the investigator never got off their backside and go and have a look. <laughs> you know, they immediately decided because they couldn't recognize it, it was paranormal without making any effort whatsoever to even perform a perfunctory examination, you know, to peek around the doorway or, you know, look over the other side of the, they immediately, and that's the way it is on television, isn't it? You see this so many times on these TV shows uh, that there is no seeking of um, an explanation. Because I have, they, yeah, they've I have already seen, decided the explanation. Exactly. I have seen uh, investigators in a room, and a door will open, and they'll go, oh, my God, look at that, and everything. like, And they never even go to investigate it. They just nope. say, it's like, hello, the door just freaking opened. Why did it open? Why don't you go find out, you dickhead? <laughs> <laughs> and when you what, – what, the best part is when you read the investigation notes afterwards or the report, uh, and yeah. it says that uh, the door opened and we couldn't explain it. You couldn't explain it. Yep, that's you it. You couldn't that's... explain it because you didn't yeah. bloody look. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it is – I mean, that's – that's part of the the problem is these television shows, of course, people think that they're conducting an investigation, that Zach's an investigator, he just isn't. What Zach is, is making an entertaining it's television. Charming. We've done this a thousand times before, mm. and he isn't going to look because he he needs to do that. Uh, it's an essential part of the program, though. If the door moves or there's a sound, 
found, it, it becomes immediately unexplainable and, by definition, therefore, proof and paranormal. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what did impress me, though. Um, finally, a few weeks ago, um, the In Search Of series appeared on our television. Oh, really? Uh, and I was very impressed with what Zach Quinto did and the, the very measured way in which very sort of um, objective way he looked at the whole, uh, you know, each subject was different each week. Um, you know, the only one I ever saw was Time Slip. Well, I haven't seen that one yet because it's not on yeah. yet. We're, it's the fifth one we've only got. <laughs> That's the only one I've ever seen. <laughs> well, the only one, well, we haven't got to it yet. It's on tomorrow, I think. But, but, it rem- he did a really good job of replicating the original series where they took an open-minded, fair, give both sides of the, uh, of the story approach. He, he, was, he was doing one about alien abduction, um, and he, the guy who, who the abductee asked for a polygraph, and it was arranged, and the guy failed it. Mm-hmm. And Quinto didn't come down on him like a ha ha. You've been, you know, you've been proved as a liar. He gave the the, the guy um, the you know the opportunity to look at the, the the test results and to respond to the test results, and then presented a very fair conclusion. And and that was the approach throughout the program. I thought it was a very balanced program, uh, right. very like the original series. But I noticed that Shatner's now joined in on it with a, a, a recreation of the old, um, um, oh, oh, gosh, what was it? The Unexplained. Uh, really? the, new series, the old series of The Unexplained. Um, Shatner's now, uh, because obviously the Quinto series was out, the other television production company needed to make theirs, so they dragged Shatner out in retirement. Right. And he's now hosting a, a, his version of the show, which is called The Unexplained, and he was doing a... I think he was doing Ghosts and Hauntings last week. Mm, intriguing. I haven't seen that here. Uh, you know, the, the Travel Channel's people. going all paranormal, so you're going to be seeing so much paranormal. <laughs> you 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 got to be absolutely sick of it after a while. I, I don't see how someone couldn't if that's all they're going to see for hour after hour. The strange thing like, about the Travel Channel, I, I remember working with them on a, a haunted castle at Warwick Castle uh, mm-hmm. many, many, many years ago. And those, uh, and it was essentially a travel program. You know, it was talking about history and the ghosts, and it yeah. was just Warwick Castle to an American tourist coming over to the UK, and then there was followed by a program about the food in Thailand, and it was a travel channel. But now it's become the horror channel. It's and a paranormal channel, actually. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the paranormal horror channel. Um, Pretty much. That's because it sells. You know, the program sell re- uh, uh, revenue. Oh, you know, there's the so bell, which means we've got to wrap it up. Not the travel show it used to be. Now, anyways, uh, you know, speaking about series, the X-Files, of course, was a good series. And this year at Spirit Quest, uh, we are doing Spirit Quest 2019, the X-Files. And uh, I just got an email today. People want to know what, what X-Files and when they're going to be played. So, I mean, when they're <laughs> going to be talked about. So I'm, I'm excited. I have to get that mm-hmm. on that schedule up on the, on the uh, yeah, website. I, but anyways, check I it out. I have my details now. 
check it out at negoesproject.com, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com. Steve will be over, and uh, Steve will be doing some other stuff, too, which is not on there as of yet, but will be in the uh, near future. So check it out, negoesproject.com. So, anyways, uh, I'm glad you're not in Engel's knee or whatever the heck it was. I totally <laughs> missed that program. I uh, I must have been not there last week. Uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> I think. But I anyway. think it was very cool last week. Just before, while while we were on air, the uh, RMS uh, Queen Mary two um, was sailing past. Oh, cool! And the very Britain's cool, biggest uh, transatlantic ocean liner. Mm. First time I'd ever seen it. Huge great thing. Did they make the new Titanic or not? Uh, I believe it's been built, and I believe it starts its maiden cruise is this this year, late this Excellent. year. Excellent. But in the Far East. A lot of people wouldn't go on it, and it's like, why? I would well, go. I'm waiting for the other entrepreneur to build the iceberg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> iceberg 2. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The guy from uh, British Airways will build it, I'm sure. I'd sail on. I'd, I'd love to go on that Titanic cruise. Except yeah. the ship isn't quite a mod. It's not neat. And, and weirdly, um, the cruises are all going to be in the Far East. Anyways, the tunes are here, so we, yeah, some of the icebergs out there. Well, maybe a global warming, but who knows. Anyways, we've got to wrap it up. You've been listening to Ghost Chronicles International, Steve Parson and Ryan Kolick, right here on Tojanet and Pyrex Radio, brought to you by Circles of Wisdom and Thuin. Tune in next week. And the letters S, J, and the number eight. Good night and God bless. Good night. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.